Ladies, pack your whole bag. Who'd you call in a hug? Pour up a drink and start. That's a little kicky. Karen. Live on SandLoud.com. Lock it in. I'll keep it locked right here. I just know, I used to know your music group, Shy. I just know Shy. Like the whole group. Yeah. Well, my name is Garfield, <laughs> and that's my actual name. So, if you can come up with some kind of nickname out of that, if you want, you can or whatever. But my name is Garfield. <laughs> so let's get started with the new music that you just dropped. What was the um? What was the? Uh, it's been a while since you dropped some music. So what yeah. was the? You know what was the incentive, or what were you feeling when you were like, "All right, I'm gonna get back out there and I'm gonna drop some more music." Like, what was going on then? Well, I've been recording just a whole bunch of music for like the past maybe six years and I hadn't released any of it. So um, I'm, I'm, um, I recently reconnected with an old friend of mine, Kinetic, Kinetic Source is his MC name. His name is Anthony Stout. And, um, you know, he sent me a few tracks. We were originally going to put some stuff out for Black History Month. Mm. And I um, ended up recording a body of work in that same theme. And just decided, you know what, man, I'm going to go ahead and release a couple of these songs. And, um, you know, out of the hundreds of songs I've been recording, I finally just said, okay, I'm going to drop two. One is called What You See. It's a, a critique of America in terms of its policies and its, and its prejudice, prejudicial treatment towards blacks. Right. You know, you know and um, then I, I did another song called Love's a Vibe. That's kind of celebrating black love. It's starring my wife, um, Demetria. Demetria Bright. And um, it's a, just a nice, like, soul quarian. It's like a Jay Dilla type feel, you know, track wise. And, um, okay. you know, it's something that probably, like, you know, Tri Call Quest that somebody could have easily been on from back in the yeah. day. But, um, yeah, it's called Love's a Vibe. And I, and I did my thing. It's hip hop soul, is the kind of like the feel, you know. Um, Mary J does hip hop soul, but this version, this iteration of it is not her style of it. It's more like right. a Roy, Roy Ayers kind of laid back. I don't know if you ever heard of this artist called Michael Franks. This white dude named Michael Franks, but no. I'm more—I'm like a hip hop Michael Franks. All right. All right. <laughs> In terms of my All style right. and delivery on a lot of my songs, a lot of my music, it's real subdued, um, almost like I'm talking, but it's dope harmony arrangements. But it's real subtle. It's real, you know, nuance. I like that because like cool. it gives you your own identity in your music. It's not yeah. somebody else's identity; it's yours. So why 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 did you hold on to the music that you was making for so long? Any particular reason? Not any particular reason, other than I just, you know, I was just I'm a singer. I'm a record. I'm an artist. So I just I always create songs. I'm always getting tracks. I'm always writing. I'm always demoing stuff up because I know how to use Pro Tools and you know, and I just end up with song after song that I, I rock. Some I get mixed. Some are still not mixed. But creative wise, I, I have to create. And so right. you look up and they're like pennies, they they, they amass. Right. And next thing you know, you got a dollar worth of pennies, you know what I mean? So yeah, that's what it is with me with the songs. But as it started accruing and getting to be a lot, and people were telling me that the sound started developing more of a niche and more of a signature, mm-hmm. you know, and I felt like, okay, now it's time to go ahead and it start putting some stuff out, you know, for consumption for people to hear where I am as the guy that was in shy. What does he sound like by himself? Like what kind of style? Yeah. And, and that's what that's what I ended up um, making happen. Like what you see 
The first one is more like a um, it's like D'Angelo meets Gil Scott Heron. Yeah, it's that sound. I like both of those guys. Yeah, so that's when you hear that one. That's what that one's gonna sound like. So it's it's All a right. it's a vibe for sure. And what was the influence in those? You said one of them was about like the things that are going on in society yeah. today, especially with black and brown people. Um, what made you want to write about that? Well, like I said, Kinetic and I, because uh, the samples inside of them, like what you see, you got you got some Malcolm X samples in there. Oh, nice. You got some hip hop, you know, choke on your own spit, spit soon as you mention us. Like we got some hip, so those samples were already in the, in the track. And so right. that put me in the mind frame of a critique type of feel. And so being who I am, you know, I'm always been an activist type. I went to Howard, um, you know, I, I was part of Black Nia Force, you know, Raz Rock of the Mayor of Newark, New Jersey was a leader of one of the organizations I was in when I was in college. And we took over the A building and got Lee Atwater, a KKK member, kicked off the board. So I was always that type of person. So it was easy for me to write. I was a member of the Nation of Islam for a few years. So it was easy for me to create an indictment against America's treatment of blacks and, and, and Latinos and, um, in a way that's funky and not corny. And so I just felt like I needed to do it. I did a whole album full of that kind of thing um with different kind of messages you know different angles but by and large that kind of feel and yeah. uh, there's some more coming um so yeah i was just in that mode and i didn't release any of it for black history month but if i had those were like perfect black history month type songs yeah but still even the commentary in the way that we are living in our black skin on a regular those songs are always apropos and so i was like you know i don't have to do a black history month that's cliche anyway so yeah. i just put it out a couple of days ago I think you know, that yeah. given the way that we're living right now and the things that continuously happen in the news, and I don't watch the news much, um, but it, it's on your phone and it's in our space and it's in our ear. I yeah. feel like there needs to be some kind of soundtrack to this narrative, you know? Yeah. And like you said, it doesn't have to be Black History Month because this shit's happening every goddamn day. You know, where we seeing kids get shot and people get beat up and all that kind of stuff where there needs to be a voice and there needs to be a narrative. And it's crazy because we're going to get into this. is My next question. Music like that, it seems like it becomes the spoke song for a movement and things like that. But does it overpower the negative stuff that we, the same people, are singing and chanting and out here selling? I don't know if it's supposed to overpower anything. I think... um the expression of it just in terms of it's, it's not versus mode you know like yeah. that binary style of thinking i think is a uh, is pretty much what's doing us in where yeah. it's an either or kind of paradigm we living in and i think both and you know in creating win-win situations is is it's, it's time for that to deal with it so the lane that i'm in in my skin and in, in, in the uh the vibe that i'm creating it just has its own name, whether it's versus right. or not. It's just something to be consumed. If you run across it and you got a little bit of that on the inside of you, then that's the time where those, that nexus of those two things will create a situation where that rises to the top within you as right. you listen. Right. As long right. as that can be on your consciousness at some point, even amidst all the other stuff, is it got a little got a room to fit in that day and come to the level. Then that's a win. You know what I mean? So, Yo, I love that. I love that. That definitely is a win, and that's in all of us. Whether yeah, you know it's it or not. so it's just a little nugget, a little reminder, a little, but it's also a vibe too. You can ride to it. Like I said, it kind of feels like some D'Angelo and a little bit of like Gil Scott Heron. Yeah. So, you know, the last poets 
we listened to Gil to hear what he's talking about, but at the same time, that music was funky that he was right. rocking to, you know what I'm saying? Right. Same thing with, with D'Angelo, you know what I'm saying? You know, always funky and stuff yeah. like that. So it's, it's, you know, I try to musicality wise represent the highest I can, but uh, also create a niche, you know, a little niche. Yeah. And that that is a niche. That's a niche market and a niche sound. But like you said, it can, you can, anybody can listen to it and anybody can vibe to it. And it's not, you know, anywhere where you can't get to it or resonate with it. So yeah. I, I definitely appreciate that. When you're sitting and writing, what is, like, how do you get over any kind of writer's block? Or how do you kind of say, okay, this is what my idea is. Now I got to bring it into fruition. Like, what are the things that you do before you write? Well, my process is like, well, one, I, you know, not to be crazy sounding or whatever, but I don't ever have writer's block. I don't, I don't, like, I That's love. That's because you love what you do. So yeah, I love words. Naturally. I love fitting things together like a puzzle. And, um, you know, I love the, the fact that tracks to me are just sitting there and it's already a song written to me. And I'm just there to connect dots and match the mood and the vibe of what the music is doing with some words that are already there. Like process for a lot of MCs, They'll do a verse where they'll mumble first. You know, they'll be, you know, it ain't no words yet, but it's a cadence. Right. I do that with, with my melody and cadence. You know, whatever the beat is doing, I make sure the drums, I'm, I'm rocking in a way that's catchy. And as I'm rocking, I'm recording that on my little voicemail, like that, that, that's, that no word kind of like mumbo jumbo cadence mm -hmm. in the melody. And then I end up putting words in those patterns that actually make sense because I already got the feel right. You know, uh -huh. Some people come so intellectual, they think of words first. But right. a lot of times words, they tell the story, but you'll be missing the cadence. You'll be missing the the part that people resonate to rhythmically with the with the words. So I come with that stuff first, which is the gooey ooey, the feeling part. And then I just put the actual words in that. And I already know the feeling is already uh -huh. correct. And then um, you know, from there, like the icing on the cake is the words. That's the easy part for me. Words are never hard, like ever. You know, wow. telling a story. I never heard anybody say that, but that's so cool. Yeah, that's that's how I write. That's how a lot of people write that I, I mess with. Actually, they process is that they, they'll it'll come out when you start actually talking about it with them. Like, yo, right. I do that too, man. You know what I'm saying? I be, you know. So yeah. it's like that's the thing that most people do. They just don't talk about it. You know. Yeah, that's pretty cool with the whole process of putting the music together and then making it. So are you shooting videos for this new music? I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to put some a couple of little real simple like video uh, ideas together that, you know, don't take away from the song. Um, that just mad. That's this cool visual um, that that enhance it, you know, just because of its simplicity, not basicness, yeah. simplicity. And then, you know, you can you can get a better gander um, through the performance. But they're gonna be like more performative pieces, um, but real simple, real picturesque kind of like backgrounds and things that are aesthetically pleasing, without being yeah. too overdrawn or too complicated or too technical. Just, just kind of organic. -y. Right. As long as like, it doesn't so. take away from the music. Yeah, just you know, and just fits in and just enhances and gives you something good to look at, to take in the lyricals because the lyrics. And, 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 the, and the stuff is really important to me because, you know, I'm, I'm writing for a purpose on these particular songs. These are like content driven songs, you know. I love it. I love it. So we're going to play some of your songs. Um, what was your experience like um, in Shy? Like, how old were you when all of that was happening? Man, Shy, I was a senior at Howard. I was about 21. 
Wow. Um, so yeah, young. I was 21 because um, we signed in October and that was my birthday. Like as soon as we signed, it was my birthday again. Yeah. And so it was definitely October the 12th was my birthday. So <clears throat> we signed in October of 92. So that I was, I, I had just turned 22 um, when we got our deal. And it was, it was surreal. You know, it was yeah. a fast paced life um, in terms of life, uh, just taking off from point A to point Z. And right. you could tell in the moment that it wasn't real life. It was like some crazy, warped, surreal, twilight zone-ish thing you were in. But it was fun. You knew it couldn't possibly last forever. Right. Um, but you were down for the ride and, you know, create a legacy in the process. And I, I think we were able to do that, you know. That's that's amazing. What was your family like? What was your mom saying when you was like 21 years old and I'm going to do this? Well, you know, I was at, I, we all came from Howard. So, yeah. parent wise, they wanted you to do what you went to school for. You know, I was a political science major, history minor. I worked on Capitol Hill for the Senate Judiciary Committee. You know, my mom was well, well connected politically. So, she always had me interning on Capitol Hill and uh -huh. doing all the precursors to become either some kind of lawyer or some kind of legislator. That was like the track that she thought I was on. And uh -huh. um, in my mind, I, I was not doing that. And, <laughs> uh, you know, I was a liberal arts guy. But I was a creative, um, and my first dream was to be what ended, what Stuart Scott ended up being. Rest in peace. Was a broadcast journalism type guy right. who used hip hop to kind of like be the skin um, um, to put the real technical and, and journalistic jargon within. Like you know, and that's what right. Stuart Scott was. He was like a hip hop journalist, but yeah. the highest level of the journalist part was there. But he just dressed it up in a black skin. And I wanted right. to be the first guy to do that. I had a thought in my brain of how I wanted to be, and I wanted to be like what Stuart Scott ended up being. But my dad was a broadcast journalism major from the University of Tennessee, oh, wow. and he was always telling me, you're not going to make no money in that. Major in chemistry. So I got to <laughs> Howard. I majored in chemistry. I hated it. you know. And then I finally turned into a political science major, and that's when my GPA shot way up, and that's when I started becoming more confident as a student. You know, I got my first 4.0 and all those kinds of things. But... um. You know, a 21-year-old at Howard University, as dope as Howard was, you know, I came of age at Howard through that. And that was a golden yeah. era of hip-hop and R&B. And by God, we messed around and got a record deal. And I became part of the pantheon of legendary R&B artists within that genre. It's crazy. Yeah. But I, yeah. I end up being one of that, though. It's like wild to know, to think that. It's kind of trippy. So but your yeah. dad was a broadcaster. Your no, no, he was. He majored in broadcast journalism. And he did have a few shows. Yeah. Well, he worked mostly for the National Education Association. And your mom in politics, right? Somehow. Well, my mom was an um, educator. She worked for the Alabama Education Association, and she worked for the Democratic Democratic National Convention. She's a voting delegate for the Democratic Party wow. to this day. So, so just steeped in politics and education with my yeah, people. yeah. So how you started singing? Well, that's just something that you do. Like, that ain't. <laughs> Like, my dad always i didn't come from a gospel household my dad played jazz all the time yeah like straight ahead jazz not like easy listening jazz but like jazz jazz like rest in peace ahmad jamal like who just passed like those kinds of things coltrane yeah. you know um sarah vaughn mm -hmm. you know ahmad jamal you know like the mccoy tino the vsop quintet by herbie like real straight ahead stuff and i my ear was beginning to develop in a jazz way i used to always try to See if I could find a harmony note to any melody that was playing, if I could find a harmony to it. And I just grew up with that. Not really caring if I could sing or not, but I was just intrigued by the way music worked. And um, and so I just fell in hard body. And when I finally got with Shy during my um 
senior year when I met back up with Darnell because he was my roommate freshman year. They had a big talent show that they were about to enter, and it was five um, Alpha Phi Alpha members in that group. The three of them, two of them, had quit right before the show. And in that time period, I had been hanging back out with Darnell every day in the Fine Arts Building, watching Shy do their thing. <laughs> and then so when two of them quit, Darnell was like, "Yo, we need a full for our harmony. Like we need you in here. You've been here for like five months, watching us rehearse. You could do Yo, it. I know you know the parts. I was like, well, I do know the bass." And so that that talent show happened and I was actually in the group for the talent show and then we ended up getting standing ovation and encore and we decided on the stage to try to get a record deal that night. And um, you know, it was born at that moment. I was in a group and um, I, I, I learned on the job how to, <laughs> that I need to perfect this little craft that I was embarking upon, the singing thing. So I had raw talent, raw abilities, but that really, really made me hone it in because I went from being on stage covering boys the men songs and singing if i ever to being right. on jay leno and arsenio like next month right. you know singing comforter and so yeah. it was like i had a crash course in just learning all the stuff i need to learn to become polished and professional before you know it was really on the job training it was crazy but i okay. you know i i didn't sink I, I swam and you know i could tell about it now in a way <laughs> where you know but I, you know like when you're an old man your book is gonna be so good <laughs> gonna, no, it's true because you'll get to go back in your life and write about these experiences and be like, look at the. Because you know how many people would love for that to happen to them in their life? Yeah, it I always trip out that it happened to me. I you totally. Because I never grew up aspiring to be that. I Let me call it. I was going to be a Division One basketball player, dude. You know, I used to be a popper, break dancer coming out of Boston and play ball. And I just love music. I hoped I, I was trying to be a DJ. I had two turntables in the mic, uh, two turntables in the mixer for my 15th birthday. My dad bought me a realistic mixer, mixer and I had two Akai turntables. Thought I was going to be a DJ. But as fate would happen, you know, I ended up meeting Darnell and we ended up singing our hearts out, doing all kind of covers. And then, you know, the group happened. And here I am standing before y'all as this guy from Shy. <laughs> <It's> crazy. <laughs> That's crazy, though. Not crazy. I just think about when you, like, when you use that word legacy. Yeah. You know, and when people get to look back on their own legacy, right? Because everybody else can celebrate you, and we will. But when you look back on your own legacy, and you get to tell your own story, like, that's pretty dope, the story that you get to tell. Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, not only is it going to include my Howard career, my shy days, but I'm also Dr. Bright. I have a PhD in educational policy study that when I went back to school, I went to Georgia State, got my master's in African-American studies, went on to get my PhD in educational policy studies, ended up with a 4.03 grade point average wow. in both of those. And I won the Asa Hilliard Award in my master's program for the dopest dissertation, I mean, um, um, thesis. And then I got a, an award for my dissertation work um, in, in arts and sciences at Georgia State for, for that work I did. So. That's I amazing. excelled in it. I did my thing. So, you know, my book is going to feature all so kinds of... So your name is actually Doctor. Yeah, I, I'm Dr. Bright, PhD. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> your name but is I, actually Doctor. Yeah, you know, I have that title. But I'm G. My name is Garfield. I go by Garfield. And even though I have a PhD, I'm to me, I'm G. I'm Garfield still. Yeah, you know, that's course. just something I accomplished. And I don't make um, people, you know, call me Doctor and all that. I know I did that. And if you know it, if you yeah. want to call me that, boom. But, um, you know, I didn't do it for the status of it and all that. I, I really like knowledge and I just wanted to keep learning and testing so, myself that way. I was just about to ask, what made you want to go get your doctorate? 
in well, what educational it, policy? Well, it started with the masters. Um, I was at Cal State Northridge. I was a part of an organization called the Hip Hop Think Tank. And we were basically hip hop heads who instead of writing rhymes, were writing research papers to present um, and publish, you know, at conferences. Hip hop had become a sexy topic after Tupac's death, after Tupac's death in the academy. And it was a young crew of burgeoning scholars who were ready to write about all things hip hop, but in the academic format. And we got invited to Georgia State National Council of Black Studies was a conference and we were presenters and um, they saw me and they were like, yeah, the shot thing is cool, but we really think that you have something going here with your academic self. If you want, you know, we'll give you a fellowship to come here and um, try to see if you can do this master's work. And that will, mm -hmm. you know, kind of help the African-American Studies Department then go further and get a PhD program. So they brought me in, they paid me a fellowship so I could pay my rent and all that stuff and go to school hardcore, in which I did. And um, when I finished, I felt like it was the onus was, you know, with me to try to get my PhD because that would help the claim of the African-American Studies Department get funds to start then growing PhDs from African-American mm -hmm. Studies instead of just stopping mm -hmm. at the master's. Because if they created students who went on to get their PhD, it would bode well for, for what they were doing. Like we were ready. Right. And so I got accepted into the educational policy studies program over there um, that Dr. Asa Hilliard and a few others who are dope scholars kind of like started over there and um you know after i gained entrance you know i, I made it in um it was on and i never aspired yeah. to be that before but i just kind of just fell into it i had the aptitude and the wherewithal to do it and i yeah. ended up excelling at it and so i yeah. just took it to the to the limit that's that's great i love to hear stories like that because it's a couple of my favorite things i love hip-hop and i love hip-hop education i'm definitely a hip-hop head education person yeah, my dissertation was about how black males navigate spaces where power is distributed inequitably. So I looked at black oh, wow. black males inside of the classroom and how yeah. they navigate that. And I also looked at black males in the music industry who have to sign a contract to get started, mm -hmm. and um, which is skewed power dynamics wise. And so, two sides of myself tell you the truth. And um, you know that's what I that's what I did my dissertation on. That's good. I would love to read it. Sure, it's it's, it's accessible. It's online. It's published, right? Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool because I feel like there's so many, um, there's so many conversations we don't have about things particularly like that. Like I wanted to, I haven't gone back for my doctorate, but I wanted to do mine because I work in special education on the disparities for Black and Brown boys in special education and how those numbers lead to the pipeline to prison. Oh yeah, well, school to prison pipeline was a big part of my dissertation. Yeah, because the demographics of those kids are 90% 90, 90 black and brown and also 90% special education. And mm -hmm. so because my license is in SPED, I'm always like, yo, there's no advocacy here, especially as a black woman advocating for these children. Um, exactly. Good so stuff. Yeah, I, Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird, though, because even as a woman in that work, when I was going to school to get my master's, I think there was like in my whole class, and I went to, to Hunter here in New York, um, maybe like two or three black people in the whole like mm. cohort. And I just was like, yo, this is a, we're teaching here in New York City, all of these kids, majority black and brown kids, and there's just not enough people in the room that look like me. 
Yeah, that's a sad state of affairs, period. And you want me to go out and teach these kids and you wonder why they don't know how to have healthy relationships with other people because they don't see people that look like them in the positions to teach them. I think that's really important. So the work that you do is very valuable, especially when it comes to policy. Yeah, and so I'm in the trenches. I, I teach now as a high school teacher, ninth and 10th grade English Lit in an alternative school though. Yeah. So, you know, my students are the students who are like one step um, away from going to juvie. And yeah. so those that's the population that I love. And, um, you know, they love me for some reason, right? Yeah. Um, but that's why I put my energy and that's what I do every day um, of the week. And then we do our shows on weekends and stuff like that. So I wear literally two hats. You know, but so my students. What do you, how do you rest? Because, like, during the week you're a teacher, I know what that does to the human body. Yeah, I know. It's, it's a, it's and a... then on the weekends you're doing shows and stuff like that. So, how do you make time for the work, for the music, and then for your personal life? Like, how I do just you go, balance that? I just go hard and fall out. That's it. That's, that's the current state of how I live, I'm living right now. <laughs> I go hard in the paint and then I just fall out. <laughs> I don't have no real management of it. It's just I know I got to do both, and I just go hard. You just then set I your just, mind till I can't until I'm just sleep happens. You know, like yeah. So yeah, food happens, all kind of stuff like that. <laughs> that so, that's crazy. What are the shows like now? Oh, we never stopped doing shows. So I've been, you know, we got we booked all the way up through November now. I think. And the shows are dope. They, um, we got this dude named um, Shane who does Young Fly Entertainment, which, which is his company. And for the last 12 or so years, he's been getting us a lot of work with all the 90s groups. You know, the right. H-Towns, the Shies, the Silks. You know, we just did a show in Detroit. It was Tyrese, Escape, Shy, 112, Drew Hill. Right. You know, those, you know, that the usual suspects. You know, sometimes we do yeah. stuff with Genuine, John B. You know, the 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it's always the 90s. And it's always an arena. Like we do some type of arena, so and shit is packed. So yeah. the shows are well uh, attended, and um, you know, in the, in the twenties, twenties of thousands type of stuff. You know, in arenas like where the pro basketball teams play and stuff. Yeah. And um, you know, we we do our thing, man. People still love the nineties. People's coming of age moments was punctuated by a lot of our songs, and yeah, we get we get the E off of that still. So that's dope. Yeah, no, that's great because I be listening to this music now and I'm like, I don't know that song. I don't know any of the words. I don't know that song. I don't know how to do that dance. I don't know what this is. <laughs> so, yeah, do you have kids? I, yeah, I do have, I have, I have um, five sons from my last marriage, you know, so, okay. you know, yeah. And, then and I, how old are they about? Well, the youngest one in that crew is um 22. Nas is the youngest, 22. Then my next one up from there is 20 uh five i have twins that are 27 and then the oldest of the bunch is 32 and i'm 53. so you so the music that so you understand my my kids are all over the place they're from they range from 13 to 26. um but you do know like the music they're listening to now is not well, anything like the music that we used to listen to oh yeah I'm, and i'm quite familiar with you know as a teacher you know, yeah. my students put me up on everything that they up on. I know, because they be trying to get 30 in my classroom when yep, they call me. So, <laughs> you know, and I, I got a healthy respect for it, even though it's not what I did. I'm not going to judge it in that way, because I know transition. I know how my music looked to people that were older than me. Right. And um, so it's always that thing. There is some, um, you know, music don't come in a vacuum. So whatever society is on is what the music is going to reflect. Right. 
for better or for worse. And so that it's an expression. It's still creativity. It's just not in the way, the sensibility aspect of it is not sensitive to the same things that maybe we were in terms of content. But you got to think about it like this, and this is how I kind of chalk it up. Like back in my generation, the whole concept of um, when people say what's up and talk, it was like, you know what I'm saying? That was like, you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? And that was the intellectual kind of like thing, if you really think about it. Do you know what I mean? Right? right. It graduated from fuck what I mean. Feel me. You feel me? Right. You feel me? So now the meaning of it is not as important as just just me to you. Did you feel me? So you looked at breakdancing and popping. It was real technical point A to point B type movements, real articulated movements that went from that to crunk dancing, mm -hmm. which was just nothing but a, a physical like movement of emotion it wasn't no real actual technique to it right, in a lot right. of ways it was like a feeling of feeling and for some people it was like you know tight eyes and people like that were real good at it because they incorporated gymnastics or a couple of little breakdancing pieces within it but it was really that did you feel me kind of thing working itself right. out in dance and so then we talked about hip-hop from my day you know with karis one speaking very mm -hmm. clearly and um, the Rakim Alaz, the Big Daddy Kings, the Grand Nubians, all the people, the Wise Intelligence, you know, the ex-clans, all the way through the tribes, you know, the, the lyrical wordplay was something. It meant something. You got to be able to understand the bars. You got to present them clearly. And you got to have monosyllabic things and your punchlines got to be based on some real clever, because uh, it was word-centric. It was intellectual. Right. But then the mumble rap comes. It ain't about, you know, all the words, you know. That's it's like a, it's, 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 it's a feeling just like how that crunk was. So it's graduated from the intellectual movement to a more, right. as a human dude, can you feel me? I don't need you to understand right. shit. I don't want, I ain't asking you, you know what I mean. You feel me. And that's better than you know what I mean. And so that's right. where the music is transitioning right now. It's in, it's in a state going from, do you understand what I'm saying to, you feel me and right. if you feel me it's like i know you and you know me we we the same shit. i feel right. you we ain't got to say the right thing i said no words to to make that thing right. official we know what that is you just yeah 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 and so <laughs> it's a recognition in that way and so because i know that i don't judge what music is doing today because i know it's right. operating up a paradigm of you feel me-ness as opposed to do you understand what i'm saying this and so i yeah. can't judge it based off my paradigm just like English teachers be want to judge texting when it first came out because they're using the English language. But there's a mm -hmm. component to texting that substantiated all those abbreviated words. You had to pay for each character. So it became right. genius in their paradigm to abbreviate the shit out of something and still get the message across. While right. if, you, if you're judging it from an English teacher paradigm, it's like, yo, they short, short, um, changing all these words. They messing up right, the English right, language. Right. Nah, they're money for them. You suppose it. So it's two <laughs> different paradigms using right. the same materials and you, just, right. you can't be called judging. And that's just how I look at it. So I'm not too hard on this generation in terms of what they putting out. Cause I know it's headed to another, it's a place where it's headed to and it's in the trend. It's like a hairstyle that's on the in-between stages. You gotta wear a hat for a while <laughs> yeah. to grow in. You gotta, you gotta let it grow out. <laughs> yeah, so that's what's happening right now to me. So I, you know. Do you, do you feel that because social media is so accessible now that the music has become more accessible to more artists, to more people? Hell because yeah, I'm, that's how I'm able to put out a single without having to sign and sell my soul to a record label. Cause I got, yeah. you know, I got a little file. I got 22,000, a couple of people type thing. And I can just yeah. release music right to them if I want to. And let them know, hey, it's right. out. 
and they can enjoy it. You know what I mean? That's good enough, for, you know, for, for my taste. People that rock with me can actually check me out. And if they like it, they can share it. And I could skip the middleman. I don't need yeah. no distribution. I can go straight to the, you know what I mean? So yeah, it's that to me, that's a a better place, you know, to be in. Like one of the dopest artists out there in terms of business sense, you know, is 21 Savage. Like mm -hmm. 21 Savage didn't have to sign no record deals and get pimped. Matter of fact, he pimped the record labels. They came back and wanted to use his catalog. So they had to borrow that from him. He signed contracts that they were asking him for the use of his stuff. And he was still right. getting paid off of it and getting paid the advance money they gave him to use some of his stuff without having to sell his soul. Right. And so that was unheard of. He got such a big money from that. And mm -hmm. nobody that I ever knew did it like how 21 Savage did it. He don't get yeah, enough credit for that. He kind of yeah, mentions it in one of his new songs around. too. I heard him say something like, "Truth be told, I might have started this," and people might be thinking he's talking ish because they don't really understand what his his, his um, business acumen is. They just know Twenty One Savage for you know, you know how many shots you got a lot. You know what I mean? But Savage, yo, study Twenty One Savage and study his situation with his with his record deal, like his his paperwork, or how he did what he did. It's ingenious, yeah. man. It's on the level of how like. Like Luke and them did what they did back in the day. Master P, how they did what they did. Right. You know, Savage is like the new age that. Like, so people need wow. to really check Savage out. And I'm not necessarily like a crazy gung-ho fan of his music. I just got a lot of respect for that dude, man. For, for the real. business like, part of Yeah, that dude is dope. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting because a lot of people get into the industry and they don't have any idea how the business works. Man, Savage pimping the game, man. I, I can say that. So, His brother is out to here. To be ahead the of the game at his age is a good thing because a lot of people lose out. You know that. A lot of people lose yep. out. They lose yep. the access. They lose their masters. They lose money. Yep. They lose, you know, they lose time. They lose a lot of things signing those deals because it's just like, oh, we got a record deal. And the, and, the, and the perception is it doesn't matter. It's a deal, and then later on, they're like, okay, this wasn't this this wasn't yeah. you know ten years in. You're like, this wasn't. And that's what deal. my dissertation outlines is when I told you I looked at how they navigate the power dynamics for the student side and the artist side. It was the same four things. The first period is four periods. The first period is the trial and error period. Like you come right. into the game thinking that you're an artist when what you actually are is a is a a. a um, a product maker. <laughs> right. Like you think you're making art, but you're really making that product that the label takes over and sells despite right. what the hell you think you got to say about it. They'll release your shit in different orders than what you thought they was. Mm -hmm. And so the trial and error. So once you realize that, you go into this bag of, oh shit, I need to peep game. So the next stage is peep game. Because now you're in this thing and you're seeing it's not what you thought it was, but you still have a dream to do it, but you want to save your soul and save face a little bit. So now you're looking for that thin line to ride without selling yourself out that you can look in the right. mirror every day. So you peeping game on how this works. Once you figure out how it works a little bit, you're trying to apply it. That's when you get a new attitude based um, in, that's different than when you first came in with the trial and error. When right. now you know it's a business, music business. You get a new attitude. And then from there, you start operating off of that. And then the last thing is um, experience is the best teacher. The industry will teach you certain things like, you know, like don't make your friends the people that run your business part because those bit friend loyalties are not necessarily bestowed on pimp upon people who might be the best qualified. And right. so that kind of thing. And then you end up using those philosophies even in real life outside of the industry. And that's that's the four stages. And that happens in the school situation as well as the industry. And those are the four pieces that I uncovered in, in my dissertation. Wow. And so, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, we gotta we gotta go back and learn and make some changes. What is one thing you would say you learned to date in your life through these ex these experiences? Like, what is one thing you would tell your younger self? Um. Well, I, I, luckily, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm myself in all spaces. To be yourself in all spaces. Like, you can cold switch in certain ways, but um, at the end of the day, that authentic self, if you can find that and be good with that about you, be that in all spaces. Mm -hmm. And that way, you ain't got to ever stress yourself out trying to be something to fit this and fit that, you know. Some people do that, and more power to them. But I'm me in all spaces, and I feel a sense of freedom in a lot of ways because I can do that. You wow. know? Powerful. Because uh, the, people can't always be their whole self in all spaces. They're not comfortable in all spaces. I'm, vil I'm vigilantly me in all spaces too. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like. I just like that you could say it. But I'm, I'm still at a place in my life. I'm like, can I, can I really say that here, or can I not say that here? You know. My man like, Gene Deal. To. My man Gene Deal be saying, "Fuck them and feed them beans." That's how I feel when you when you if you are in a, if a space is trying to contour me to become out of myself, that's the first thought that come to my mind is Gene Deal saying that. <laughs> and I don't even know Gene Deal, but if he actually is the earshot, you will laugh, bro, because you influenced me on that one. But um, yeah, I'm gonna be me, damn it, you know. Yeah, that's mean, all I got, you know. At the end of the day, you can't be anybody else. I gotta look. Well, at it was so nice talking to you, Garfield. Tell everybody where they can find you, where your next tour is, where I can read this dissertation, like all of it. Okay, um, the next show um, we have is in Houston on May 12th in um, the Arena um, Theater, and that's a Friday. And then that Sunday, we're gonna be in Chicago at the Chicago Theater. So just that's just coming up soon. So the, 5th, the 12th and the 14th of um, May is coming up, and that's our next two shows. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook, at the Garfield Bright Experience, you know that's my long ass uh, handle. <laughs> and um, <laughs> in the last part, what was it? It was something you said. Um, I feel it was one more little part to your, your question. Website, oh, dissertation, yeah. Media. The Georgia State Archives. You can go on, or you can actually Google it. You know, and I think it'll prompt you, it'll direct you to where you can find it. You know, through Google as well, my dissertation, yeah. and then you can you can download it and stuff like that. Yeah, but um and then stay tuned to the shy um um instagram shy 90s official and um shyroglyphics are the two places for us and you can always see the flyers and stuff posted my page too um for the next shows that we have and stuff like that. i put them in my stories and stuff like nice. that so you can stay tuned to either me or go to the shy page and you can always find our next shows and we got a lot of shows coming up all through the summer june july august Looking like they all booked all the way through and through September, even October. That's great. Is yeah, it's lovely. We get to eat. That's so great. <laughs> we get to eat, we get to fly out, hang out, and yeah, all that stuff, man. People, 30 years later, still doing it like that. Yeah, that's that's dope. That is so dope. You know, there's a lot of, like I said, there's a lot of people that do it and then it's here and then it's gone. Like you said, yeah, for sure. You said you knew it wasn't gonna last forever, but you're still doing it. We happen to write our own music. So we get yeah. publishing from our own songs. We still get the, the royalties that we, you know. Yeah. So Babyface and different people, you know, luckily. Well, at the time, we was wishing Babyface would write us something. But we wrote our own stuff. And now, 30 years later, that's actually what sustains us. Because we are writers. And we wrote our own material. And it became iconic. So we get, you know, yeah. we get a nice little cool little royalty from it. 
That's beautiful. Yeah. I love I love this story, Garfield. I just love <laughs> I know one day you're gonna write a book. Oh, for it's sure. It's gonna be amazing. I actually wrote a book, but it's not a, a biography yet. I have a book called Lotus 3013. It's a speculative fiction piece, dystopian type of piece, black, um, Afrofuturistic piece. And it's basically the premise is um in the year 3013, hip hop is believed to be a white cultural invention. And it's mm. all kind of stuff that comes with that. Um, if you could put Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and Beat Street in one thing, you'll get what I got going, Lotus 3013. You might want to consider publishing that. Oh, I am. I'm getting because, ready to sell it. Yeah. <laughs> and I hope yeah, you do a little anime Harry thing. Potter lady is killing it right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So my <laughs> mine is, is real is real in-depth in and thorough. My twins, my sons, who are producers, Grammy-nominated producers, they um did the score to it, like a movie score. Yeah. So if it sounds like a, a movie, it's it's just a, it it's an audio book though. It's an ebook yeah. and an audio book. I'm selling for twenty five dollars when I sell it together. But the concept sounds like a movie. Oh, it is. It is straight up. Yeah. And it was ten years in my brain in the making. I couldn't touch it while I was getting my dissertation because I was just up to here. But as soon as I finished, I, I took a month and wrote a chapter per month, per month until I got all ten chapters out. It took wow. about a year. And that you was must just, have like really good discipline. Yeah, people tell me that in, in certain ways I do, you know. I've you always had to. certain things that I can really just zone in and just finish you the job. Like no one person accomplishes all of this without having yeah. like that much discipline. In the moments of it, I'm not looking at it as discipline. It might be some kind of crazy like thing that I have in me that just got this weird attention span where I'm just in it until I finish, then I can finish. You know, so some people say yeah. that's discipline. It might be some kind of crazy reverse ADD or something like <laughs> It's something, you know, no, I don't know if I can give all myself all that uh, credit, but a lot of people, you know, used to always tell me, you know, cause I used to fast a lot, I'm a vegan, different yeah. things like that. You know, they they they's like, gee, you got discipline, man, you know, but maybe. I mean, that too, being a vegan is, is a lot of discipline too. What yeah, made I you guess decide so. to go vegan? If you don't well, want me Like asking. I said, when I was 17, I stopped eating beef and pork at 17. I, I was already not eating beef or pork for all this part of my life. And then um, about 12 years ago, 11 years ago, I um, just woke up one morning and said, you know what? I'm quitting chicken and I'm not gonna drink any more sodas. And so the last thing that I had left was, you know, the chicken, fish, um, turkey, cause that's all I was eating anyways. And once yeah. I quit chicken, I just said, you know what? I'm just gonna stop eating any blood-based foods. I was in the Dr. Savy too. Plus, I had, you know, from being in the nation and how to eat to live and all those things from the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. I was already on that kind of track just most of my life. And yeah. it was just really not too much for me to just go and cut out blood-based foods because it creates mucus in your body. Yeah. And that's that's where disease lives. And, you know, I'm 53. I'm trying to still, you know, keep a cool appearance. And, you know, a little vanity yeah. is leading me in take that direction. Care of but I'm just trying to take care of myself, you know. And I know that what you put in your body kind of like, determines how long you get to stay here and stuff like that most of the time yeah. and, and how you are your spirit too it ain't just food yeah it's your we way talk of being about that too it's people's yeah. spirit is is a part of their energy too and they don't i don't think people understand that yeah you can eat the best but if your spirit ain't really you know you, yeah it's, it's, it's the same thing so yeah it's bad energy it's bad if it's yeah. bad juju it's bad juju that's it yeah, no pretty, matter pretty what much, you dress you know, it up in pretty much <laughs> Pretty much. So, you know, that's that's, that's my reasoning. I just wanted to, you know, do what I can control, try to control it, you know. Yeah. 
fair enough. And if I know better, I know better. It's not that I don't like the way those foods smell and with, with pork. Yeah. I ain't trying to be around no pork, but yeah. or really beef. But um, I walk past Popeyes and be like, ooh wee, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, I'm never going in there and getting none of it. I'm just like, yeah, remember that smell? Like, ooh, I remember that taste, you know? Yeah, that kind of stuff. But yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I'm. I'll try one day. I don't know when, but one day. Well, when you're ready, you're ready, and that's when you do it. You I'm know getting closer and closer. I do know that. I'm getting closer and closer. Same thing. Like it makes a lot of mucus, and I'm asthmatic, so ah. I had a number of doctors tell me already. Like if you cut out milk and cheese, which I don't drink milk anyway, because I have. Um, I believe that cow's milk are for cow's babies, and since I'm not a cow's baby, why would I be drinking cow's milk? Also. Do you know that humans are the only animals that do that? Like yes. cats don't drink dog milk. Right. And goats don't drink cow milk. Right. So why am I? Like, what was they smoking when they was like, let me go up under this cow? And like, so I stopped drinking milk and like things like that and kind of took certain things out of my diet. But my doctors actually were like, like, if you want your lungs to get better, you gotta cut out dairy you got to cut out certain things because it's just it's just not gonna get better if you don't do that yeah, red sure. meat everybody tells you i had stopped eating red meat for like a year and i was telling my mom everybody i know that has any kind of medical issue and it don't even got to be the same i know people with rheumatoid arthritis diabetes high blood pressure cancer all of them the doctors say cut out red meat yep and these people don't know each other. Just different people in my life. I'm like, how everybody got to cut out the same thing? Then clearly, this that is an Crohn, issue, right? That Crohn's disease or diverticulitis, those kinds of things, too. It yeah. comes back to that. Gout. Those, yeah. You know, all, all that of kind those. of stuff. And then your doctors are telling you, cut it out. And I'm like, well, if every doctor's saying cut it out, then clearly there's something in there that is affecting all of these people. Yeah. And they don't have the same thing, but they're all getting sick. Yep. So, yep. you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see. We're going to see. Yeah. I'm going to start a YouTube um, coming up in the summer where I'm going to address a whole bunch of this kind of stuff. It's called Curiosity Collage. It's going to be on YouTube. And it's just going to be a hodgepodge of different things from some academic stuff to health stuff to just different things that I've come across that I think is useful knowledge for people out there. I'm going to be doing it. So that'll be another thing to look you forward to. You should definitely do that because there's a lot of people that want to learn that stuff and they don't know where to go to seek that information. Yeah, I'm going to try you to know, get like, my I little two cents. Dr. Sebi myself because other people were talking about it. You know what I mean? And that's how I kind of like started falling down the rat hole and let me follow this and read that. But if you don't have a place to go to that you feel confident in getting information because that's another thing, right? Where yep. do people get their information from allows them to feel confident or un not confident right. about the information that they're getting. Yeah. So people got to be, you need, you need a spot like that where people can learn like, like the journalists you said, you know, yeah. like yeah. the hip hop culture, you're learning, you understand, but somebody's talking to you in a way yeah. that it could resonate with you. Exactly. Right. Because sometimes so. people be talking to you on a different channel and like, oh, fuck that yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. But they saying the same shit. But yep. you just not receive. Nah. You don't want to receive it. You don't want to receive that one. You yep. don't receive that one. Yep. But somebody else tell you and be like, okay, I can fuck with this. You yep. know what I mean? Exactly. Because they, exactly. they, they speaking to me in a way that I could understand. So yep. I think you should. I think you definitely need to be all over YouTube with all of that because there's so well, many thank things. You. That 
we need to talk about. It was a pleasure talking to you. You're so insightful and Likewise. interesting. And like, I'm still amazed at like all the accolades um, because I just think like, I, I just can't get over like whenever you write this book, I'm gonna be like, I told you so. <laughs> I'm, I told you so. You've accomplished more in your life than some people right now. And you're not, and you're only halfway. <laughs> and some people have accomplished their whole entire life seriously like those are your flowers i don't know if i'm giving you. it to you correctly but it's Thank very you. admirable i appreciate to, that to have a conversation like yo i did this this this, this. like and you're just sitting there like oh shit like i feel like i've been slacking <laughs> <laughs> the fuck i gotta go write a dissertation go back to get my phd i gotta go you know like, I feel like, what the fuck I've been doing? <laughs> so, and I promise you, as I'm accumulating all this stuff, I'm, I never go into it thinking like, yeah, I'm about to go get this one too and do this. I just be I floating from, like, wherever the thing takes me. I'm I like, okay, I'm here. Let tell. me, you know, know, so. That's what even makes it even more impressive. You're Thank not you. trying to impress anyone. You're just like, yo, I'm going to do this and I'm smart enough and I can do it. I'll try. And that's yeah. that. I don't even think you see it the way somebody else sees it you're just doing what you do and i get that I respect that is it. true i'm just doing but it, doing. It, it's 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 a lot and it's dope it's dope thank it, you we so need much more for that. black men in those positions in those places in those spaces to be able to sit at the table with all the experience and the credentials behind them to talk they shit yeah for sure for sure for sure i see you <laughs> <laughs> thank well, thanks you for having so me much. I appreciate you, um, and yeah, we're going to get this up. All right. Well, just keep me posted, you know, and I, I'm always here. You can always drop in on me and stuff, so. Oh, yeah, I definitely will. I'm going to read the dissertation. Okay, for sure. For I'm sure, going to study, sure. and then Thank I'll you. decide if I ever want to go back. I haven't decided yet. Well, if you have any questions from this point forward, you know, just feel free to hit me, and I'll, I'll tell you everything that you're curious about. For sure. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye. Live. 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 Live